You're listening to the Pints and Provisions Podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot some. I can't Welcome to Ryan's Basement. This is going to be our venue today for the Pints and Provisions podcast. Um, we're going to welcome Kyle here as our guest. Hello. Ryan is here as well. Hello. And we'll always say hi to Dan and Mark. Mark's on his way back from Michigan. And I think uh, Dan's busy golfing and drinking treehouse beers as far as I remember. Sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds awful. So today our agenda is going to be uh, mostly kind of going over a little bit of Beer 101, we brought three classic styles. We'll just kind of go over those briefly and why you know you should look out for these or if you're looking for this kind of specific beer. But first, as we always do, we're going to talk about Beers of the Week. Ryan, I'll let you go first. Um, mine is uh, a recent uh, release by Side Project out of uh, St. Louis. I know we've talked about them plenty of times here. Um, Wait, they is have... that a new brewery? <laughs> They have a Pulling Nails series. Um, They're on their eighth release, and I actually was able to um, shout out to Phil, who we've had on here a few times as well. Um, He was able to get one of the bottles of Pulling Nails 8 and share it with me. Um, And so uh, I actually had that uh, very generous guy. had that last night. Um, It is an American Wild Ale, 7% ABV. This is their, like, kind of experimental you know, uh, farmhouse style, wild ale style, um, that they just kind of change it up with, uh, side project style. Yeah. I mean, they just kind of go a little bit, uh, random with each of the releases. Um, so this one was aged in French oak punchins for three years, uh, spontaneously fermented, of course, a small portion of one-year-old Missouri Cezanne, uh, was blended into it. And then it was re-fermented on raspberries and cherries and then bottle conditioned several months before its release. Um, it was incredibly balanced with uh, the, the kind of a mild sourness to it, uh, mild tart. Uh, the raspberry was very prevalent, uh, as well as the cherry, um, but uh, not too potent on the fruit. Just a really, really nice balanced beer. Probably one of the, the probably one of the best ones I've had all year. So nice. Pretty excited to have that and had it uh, last night. And pulling nails refers to the process when you are barreling. Uh, mixing as they do they have nails placed in the barrels and they will pull them to kind of pull off a little bit of sampling and so that's where the term pulling nails comes from i did not know that i knew it had something to do with the nails in the in a barrel but i didn't know exactly and they'll pull them so they get a little kind of spigot that they can make because otherwise you gotta yep. go through the bunghole right um so you pull <laughs> so you pull Good term <laughs> yeah thanks you pull that out you get a little sample you put it back in so um, good deal yeah all right, Kyle, you're up. So before I came on the podcast, I took my uh, prerequisite Michigan trip up to Holland, Michigan. Way to go. And uh, while I was up there, I stopped by Saga Talk Brewing, and I had their rum barrel-aged Imperial Beam Me Up Stouty. 
Oh, nice name. Stouty. Stouty. Awesome. So it's rum barrel aged. It's a rum barrel aged coconut stout. Very, very heavy on the coconut. 9.5%. Rich coffee and caramel flavors. And a creamy coconut finish. It was extremely heavy on the coconut. And the the nine months in the rum barrels really played well with that. And the... uh, the overall thickness of the beer it was it was very surprising my wife was a big fan and my mother-in-law who doesn't even like beers took that one from me out of our flight rum so. barrels are growing on me really fast yeah you never used to like those as much i think we had a prairie one not too long ago that was really good um That's i don't right. know I, i'm not i mean i still I, I would still definitely take like a, a cognac or a bourbon barrel um over a, over a rum but i don't know i think i usually just used to pass on them but the more and more i've had them i think the uh the flavor profile is kind of uh, growing on me a little bit. I suppose bit. it's like kind of spicy and sweet it's all a, the it's same time. It's a lot sweeter, but it's, uh, I don't know. I think a bourbon barrel is a little easier to use if you, you need to have your grain bill a little just right for a rum barrel, and the, the coconut definitely helped it out. It's probably true. And a uh, side note to our listeners, Kyle um, is a home brewer, um, so him and Evan can probably um, get pretty nerdy talking about um, grain bills and uh, different. Uh, they're 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 talking about their uh, college chemistry class before oh, we yeah. got talking here. So our favorite um, one. They could go pretty pretty far on the deep end about uh, the actual uh, science and development of beers behind the scenes. So we'll save that for beer two hundred two. There you go. Yeah, beer two hundred two. Um, well, and, and actually, Sagatuck Brewing, they're kind of, I would say, you know, they're definitely not on the, quote, hype train that we always seem to talk about a little bit. But uh, they put out a lot they of... They put a lot of really good beers out, and it seems like the more and more we, we have people on and talk about it, it seems like Sagatuck Brewing always has um, some pretty good beers highlighted at festivals and, and different things that are keeping them on the map, even though we, they're not on the hype train. Yeah, there have been a couple of people whose like favorite, hidden beer, gem. favorite beer of the week has been from Sagatuck. For sure, yeah. So, you know... They're obviously doing great things. So if you're up in the um, southern, uh, what's it, southwestern part of Michigan, right when you get out of the armpit of northern Indiana and Illinois, <laughs> you can hit up in a couple of great breweries up there, which, you know, I guess Mark missed that on his way up. So is Soccer Talk distributing to Illinois now? I feel like I've seen their beers around here. You can get them in I Chicago, I think. I think Chicago. Think. I don't That's think right you song. can down Can't, here. Not down here. No. Um... I feel like maybe I've seen that Neapolitan stout. Maybe, I don't know. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure we'll 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 have to check. Yeah, we'll verify yeah. and uh, confirm nor deny that. Um, mine I actually had last night. It was um, generously sent to me through a trade out from Richmond, Virginia. The Vale uh, out there, Matt Tarpey out uh, out there is kind of known for making IPAs, but. Little does everybody, I think, realize that they're doing some really good stouts. It was their Sleeping Forever Barrel Age series, and they uh, did a bourbon barrel age that was also uh, with added coconut, and this was from last year. They brewed it, and it was great. Mouthfeel was nice and thick, lots of good coconut flavor, and as it warmed up, um, it was a lot more balanced. Um, It was a great, great beer, and they come in 500 milliliter bottles, so it's not something that you necessarily would have to share with somebody. You can kind of drink it on your own, but fantastic. What a what a great beer to start the weekend. And they do that every year, and they've kind of changed up the different adjuncts that they use for that. On a, You know, you had the apple brandy not too long ago, and yeah. they had a vanilla, I think, as well, and maybe a coffee. Uh, I don't know if they had a coffee. Maybe I know that they was had, a previous year. They I had don't like know. a Danish cherry cordial barrel. That they okay. put some in. I didn't have that one, but I think if you got the whole set, there were about five or six of them. 
Uh, and they came with little of the uh, Glencairn glasses to oh, drink yeah, your stout out. Oh, yeah, those are so cool. Yeah. yeah. So I actually did uh, you know proper proper glassware with that one. Had it with my Glencairn glass with the Vail logo. It was great. Tasty stuff. It's been a while since I'd had a stout because the summertime doesn't lend itself, unless you're a Floridian, but the summertime <laughs> just doesn't lend itself towards stouts. What about hashtag always stout season? <laughs> hashtag, <laughs> hashtag Florida being Florida. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, we might as well first, why don't we talk about uh, what we're kind of, what's our side beer today, Ryan? Um, our side beer today is... Uh, <laughs> it's our first side beer. We've had, we've had a couple, so hopefully we're uh, a little bit loosened up here. But uh, Fanta Flora Brewery, um, they are out of uh, Morganton, North Carolina, um, kind of in the north central part of the state up in the mountains. I've never been there, but I've heard it's a beautiful part of the state. Um, Razzmatazz Volume 2, an Appalachian Wild Ale uh, on black raspberries. So it is um, 6.4% alcohol and bottled in April of 2018. So uh, it's actually real fresh. I actually didn't know it. I thought it came out last year. Um, it's quite good. It's pretty tart. Um, black raspberries yeah. seem to be uh, being used a lot for uh, fruits for wild ales and, and different um, saisons and sour types, but um, it's a pretty good fruit. Um, I'm a pretty big, <laughs> pretty big fan. Yeah, and it always has a lot of really deep, you know, beautiful red, color when you make these beers with these dark fruits so uh, the 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 color is always really attractive as well it is i mean it is about as dark as red as you can get um yeah i've just been staring at my before glass. becoming purple or i mean maybe it's even almost like a, a light purple i like how they call it an appalachian wild ale love it and yeah. they're I, I don't even know if they would be considered on or off the hype train. Um, I think they're I've, pretty on. Kyle and I have had a couple of theirs recently. Not, they need to be on it. Uh, yeah. Fantastic stuff. Um, they're really, really doing some great things. They were so. at the uh, Midwest Belgian Beer Festival a couple weeks ago, that perennial host, and I posted up at their booth and had everything they had probably a couple of times. They, in my opinion, stole the show. What, what, did they have a huge line there? Were people pretty aware of them? Uh, Trillium had the largest line by far. With by, hops or sours, or do they have a stout on? They brought seven beers. Most okay. brought two, right they brought seven. So they had um, a lot of their Soak series. They had a couple of double oh, dry hops. I love their Soak series. They, We've talked about that a lot here. They had a Fatted Farmer, Peach. They had, I can't remember, they had a bunch. And then uh, second longest line was Barrel Age of Braxis. Of course. Obviously. Yeah. Especially down in St. Louis. Plenty yeah. of people know about that beer, and it's also... Pretty darn it's, it's good. It's pretty darn good. The Veil and Weld Works and Fontaine really uh, flew under the radar, so I, I could walk up, no line, get whatever I wanted. That's what you got to find That's when great. you go to a beer festival. Find the one with like the shortest or almost no line, post up, talk to the brewer, talk to whoever's standing there pouring. You'll probably learn more and have more fun than you will waiting in Trillium's line, which, you know, you're going to have a good beer over there too. But And Kyle's got experience in that when, uh, I don't know, what was it, five years ago? Top and Goliath and Eveline, and he wow. was just sitting there drinking um, what is now called Yellow Wax Assassin for hours on end because no one Jeez. knew what Toppling Goliath or what Decor where Decor Iowa was. Where the so. hell is that town? <laughs> so uh, he was. Uh, you kind of get pretty lucky. You find all those hidden gems and just uh, enjoy them. They had Pseudo Sue, King Sue, Assassin, Yellow Wax Assassin, and Morning Delight is what they brought to the beer fest, and the, no one was there. And no one was there. Unbelievable. <laughs> and he was blown away that I wanted to keep the Yellow Wax bottle as a souvenir. Yeah, like, can I just, why Why would you want that? 
Yeah. Well, and what's our what's our other beer? Ryan, you want to do it? I mean, like, we got to let this one warm up, but. Um, okay, so the other one we're drinking is um, a uh, Dark Lord variant from 2013. An oldie um, but a goodie. Bourbon barrel aged with vanilla beans. Orange wax, um, quite good. It's pretty. It is. Uh, there were some rumors uh, some bottles were infected. I think we'd all agree this is not. Nope. Plenty of vanilla left. Uh, yep. It's really, really tasty. Yep. I'm enjoying it. But. We're going to take a step back and uh, <laughs> we're going to go back about to a little roots. bit more of the uh, the classic styles of beer and not uh, some of these really random ones that most people haven't heard about. And I think uh, Kyle's really going to start from you know the beginning, so I'll let we'll let him take over. For my beer, I went all the way back to the, the very, open it the very beginning. With uh, according to them, it's the world's oldest brewery, Vinestefaner. Right at yeah, right into the mic. Oh. Er, Yes. I think bartending for a while would be able to do that a little better. <laughs> that opener's been around for a while, so it might be getting dull. <laughs> it's a little worn down. <laughs> so I still I uh, I grabbed Vine Stefaner's original premium, which is a Munich Helles Lager. So this is an original beer from the original brewery in Bavarian Germany. Sounds great. I love that. Pouring too. into the glass. Perfectly clear, bright yellow, white head. Yeah, very nice and sudsy. You want to get a good head on a beer like this, on a on a lager. I forgot to clean my bigger glass out, so I'll use a small one and might just do a couple pours. I mean, it's like perfectly clear. Well, I mean, you can see right through it, but it's got that nice... It's It looks like a beer. It, yeah, this is this is what most Americans would would think is is a beer. This, if you poured a this and a Budweiser in a glass next to each other, you wouldn't be able to see a difference. But when you smelled it, it's there's actually quite a bit of hops on the nose. And they uh, advertise as brewing under quote the purity law. Yep. <laughs> no, the Germans so, the Germans are good at that. They like to follow the rules. They take a lot of pride in their styles, um, and you know this style's been around for at least a hundred years, if not, you know, a couple hundred years. And I think a lot of the uh, American Three, lagers that we see. Probably 350 probably. years. I did do a little research. Did, did a little bit. Okay. okay. Yeah. They said this recipe was a couple hundred years old. Yep. So this, this specific beer has been brewed this way for hundreds of years. Yeah. And part of the reason we wanted to just do a little bit of this whole beer 101 thing is just to give um, a little bit more kind of uh, easier to find craft beers um, out there for some of our listeners who may not be um, as, you know, kind of getting some of the, the rare stuff you get at beer festivals and um, some Wait of these like for. double dry hop crazy things that we talk about and um, different stouts that have a bunch of ag- adjuncts and just kind of way, way, way off to the end of the spectrum. Whereas, um, you know, a lot of the craft beer, you know, probably even going back only to like four or five years ago, uh, where a lot of styles were where uh, certain American craft breweries were starting and making just a really good lager, uh, really good Pilsner, really good IPA, um, and not doing anything crazy off of what, uh, you know, what the Europeans, when they first started making this type of stuff, used to, ha- you know, have from like a grain bill. Um, and then people just kind of started taking it to really, really crazy levels that um, we've talked about plenty on here and whatnot. But um, this is a five 5.1%. Yep. Lager, a lot of uh, the lagers you would find in the U.S. Um, probably are a little bit in the low fours. Um, but 
five is pretty standard. Um, nice, easy drinking. You just drink that all day long. A little bit. Perfect for a summer day. Um, perfect clarity. I mean, you can see right through it. This is uh, before hazy IPAs became a big thing. Um, clarity on the beer was a big deal. Oh, yeah. Um, and, I mean, this is exactly what uh, what judges and everybody would be looking for, and this is why this fine Stefaner has been around for so long. I haven't had one of these in a long time, and I forgot how much I actually like it. Yeah. I, I really enjoy this beer. Yeah, you could crush this so easy on a summer day and never never get tired of it. Yeah. Because, and I would I would hesitate to call it craft beer, by the way. If we, if we really want to be, you know, true to the sort of idea of craft beer, but, you know, it... And I guess I would know. Is it owned by anybody other than the German government? I was gonna say. Oh, it <laughs> is. Right, that's oh, right. I didn't Any, know that. Okay. German. All German beers owned by the this brewery in particular. Very probably. Weinstefaner um, is owned by either the Bavarian government or the German government. That's kind of like uh, the idea of keeping it under the national historic of like registered places kind of thing. Yeah, it, it, it's got to be. It started out as a an abbey, and I think the. the oh, it did. Out, the monks ended up selling it, and I did not know that. Wow, and falls under the German purity law, which is called the Reinheitsgebot. So only three ingredients are allowed. And back then, they didn't know yeast was involved. Yeah, was four, like technically four, technically but four, they, but back then they didn't know yeast was yeah. really a part of it. And so it was water, uh, malt, barley. I'm sorry, barley. barley. I was gonna say barley is and hops. The, so this has a perfect amount of hops, kind of on the the tip of the tongue, per, first part of the flavor to go with uh, the, that. Just that nice, crisp, uh, light lager malt backbone. Yeah. Or barley backbone. And you know, a lot of uh, good craft breweries now here in America, are, and, and the good ones are starting to get into doing a few more lagers, pilsners, and this is the kind of beer that they're kind of going after. Yeah, I mean, if you're in the U.S., obviously, um, this is pretty easy to find. Most, I assume most uh, yeah. you know beer stores are going to be selling this. It's called the, the Original Premium. Um, which is pretty bold on the label, but uh, you know, New Glarus does one pretty similar called their Two Women Lager. That if you're yeah. obviously only in, in Wisconsin, it's pretty easy to find. Um, but that's, I really enjoy that, and yeah. we go up to Wisconsin for a couple days um, towards the end of the summer, and that's a really really nice sipper um, when we're out on the boat, yeah. you know, driving around the lake. Um, you know, Ballast Point does one Long Fin. Long, that's, that's right. kind of a, that's a right. popular one out there. Um, there was a, a few that I looked up earlier today. Uh, Schlafly does one. They're out of St. Louis. Um, they make a, a, a summer lager. I mean, this is the time of the year to do it. Yep. Um, so there's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of companies in the U S that are making a really similar style and I think doing a really good job of it too. Yeah. The most similar style you can find to this comes out of Chicago dovetail brewing. They actually are brewing with Vine Stefaner's pilot brew system. They're uh, oh, nice copper brew kettle, I believe. Well, that's cool. Awesome. From, from I didn't Germany. know that. They're Dovetail. Dovetail. Okay. Is that in Chicago? Yes. That's in the city? Yep. Okay. It's uh, not too far away from, from Half Acre and uh, a couple other breweries right around there. So it, it's in, within walking distance of a, a couple of them. But uh, everything Dovetail makes is as true to style as you can possibly get. I haven't and had any of theirs. All their beers are phenomenal. I love them. Their, their uh, Hefeweizen is probably one of the best I've had. Their lager's phenomenal. They just came out with a, uh, I think it's Chicago's first spontaneously fermented creek. Oh wow! Um, on K R I E K. Yeah, creek, not not like Iowa. <laughs> I, well, not in like... Iowa they call it the creek. So. <laughs> yeah. They uh, they use open fermentation yeast from Bavaria, 
hops from Bavaria, their malt, all their ingredients come within 150 miles. And that's great. Their, their styles are all on point. And they have like two days out of the year that they can do a spontaneous beer in Chicago, probably. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and this one, I don't know exactly what the proper food pairing is for it, but we've got um, a German restaurant in Peoria called the Hofbrau. The Hofbrau. And House. they do mostly like Wiener schnitzels and Eat just different something. sausages and stuff. And they Greasy and heavy. Basically only have um, German beer available there. And this is something that I think would just go great with a nice schnitzel. Like, schnitzel. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Just a perfect pairing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why the Germans had it right, you know. Thanks thanks to the Germans, they uh, they kind of started it. And then the Belgians came in and screwed everything up for a while. <laughs> or at least bucked the trend. Then the Americans took it and ran with it. And then the Americans <laughs> took it and continued to screw with it. <laughs> yeah. So good job. Perfect. As we always do. So if, if I, this is the kind of beer where if, if you forget what beer is, you're, like you said, Ryan, <laughs> you're too busy waiting in line, getting something that only... When 500 other people are going to drink. Letting your neck beard grow out. Yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of beer that reminds you why beer is good. And, yeah. And, and you probably are always going to find that it that it just takes you back to that point at which you really started to enjoy beer. But then again, you go back and you taste it and you're like, wow, I completely missed everything about this that I love. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's And that's the good thing about you know, kind of take a step back and really like beer. sit and enjoy it and think about it. And it's like, man, nice, crisp. It's easy to drink. You know, we're in my, my nice cold basement, um, for the proper acoustics for the podcast, but, uh, this would acoustics. be perfect sitting out in our 87 degree, uh, Midwest humid yeah. summer day as well. Cause so. it, cause you know, I think when I was first drinking beer, I would have told you or thought that this was skunked that kind of like old, Old world um, malt, the barley and the yeast and the hops. The way that yeast works with it. Yeah, you would have thought that, oh, this is like skunked or something like that. Because if you drink an American lager, which is what the Americans sort of tried to do with this stuff, is they just made it a lot more muted and palatable to the average person. Um, It's got a skunky nose to it, but it finishes very, very clean. Very, yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, good choice. Yeah, good choice. Should we continue on with Germans? Absolutely, yeah. What do we have next, Evan? I went a little more New World, but uh, still taken from an older style. Well, most of the beers in Bavaria, at least initially, were either Dunkels or like light beers. So they basically made light beers and dark beers. So this is kind of on the darker end of the spectrum, but also from Bavaria. This is the Celebrator Doppelbach. Um, It's from Einger Brewing or Einger Brewery. It is a Doppelbach... 6.7 6.7 ABV, uh, but this is one that I know is And this is also a lager. Also a lager. Also considered one of the sort of pillars of Bavarian Absolutely. styles and Bavarian lagers. Of course, they kind of doubled it. That's the doppel. Um, and the Bach just indicated that it was a darker beer, so it's yep. like a double dark. Um, it really is supposed to showcase the, the malt and the breadiness of yeah. the flavors and... Um, but still supposed to be, you know, clean, um, and I would say fairly light to, to sip on, uh, but really just showcasing that malt as opposed to, um, probably what we're drinking now is a little bit more combination of the yeast and the hops. Yeah. And I tend, I, I, they come in these really pretty bottles and they have this, uh, little, um, (laughs) ornament that's hung on the side of it. It's like an ornament. That's right. I had, I've had so many people because 
I had a case of this given to me graciously by somebody um, who's a, a beer lover. And I gave a handful of four packs away, even to non-beer people and beer people. And they all loved it. Yeah. They all loved it. We, uh, I, when I first started getting into craft beer, this was not available in Illinois. So I had uh, a friend out on the East Coast that when they started getting it from, uh, from Germany that shipped it to me, uh, fell in love with it. And I was so excited uh, when Illinois started getting it. And I aged a few that we had yeah. on here as the blind taste test. We that did. did not go the best because there was basically no flavor <laughs> four years later. But uh, this thing, obviously, I don't think this one we're going to be drinking is as old as the one that I... Uh, did as a blind taster but uh it's a fantastic beer um it's usually pretty readily available in the states now yeah um, and i'd say so and it's always a nice uh consistent drinker i think doppelbox sometimes get referred to as liquid bread and this one i think definitely is in that category oh absolutely oh liquid like rye dark bread yeah this is a meal replacement shake if you need oh, it it's really really good isn't it though it is so good I mean, a bunch of carbonation. You, you don't get, get as much of that in the, some of those American stouts that we're drinking. But, uh, oh, it's it's clean, bready. It's refreshing still, even though it's a darker beer. It's crisp. The, the head's got a nice toffee color to it. Um ton of I, caramel on, like, the backbone. Like, yeah, it smells like caramelized. Um, brown sugar. Yeah, caramelized. It's almost like a little brown sugar. And you don't get a lot of you don't get really a lot of hops, and I think a lot of the bitterness that comes from this is from some of the malt too. I would agree with that. Now, there's not oh. a lot of American craft beers doing this style, no. to my knowledge. I mean, this is one. Um, I think if you are enjoying, you know, unique types of, of beer and have gone away from just the American lager, yeah, this would be one that. Um, you know, you look for the uh, ornament uh, yeah. around uh, a 12 ounce bottle. It's, easy to spot. The it's very easy to spot. Uh, in most of your stores, you'll be able to find it. But uh, a, as far as like a comparable style goes um, from someone making this in the, the U.S., I really don't have anything that comes to mind. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. And this is, I mean, this is just kind of like one of its own in kind of like a world class of its style. I think, it, yeah. And they and continue to make it and they continue to just knock it out of the park. Yeah. It's a special beer, and it's kind of one that I think sometimes is good on special occasions. I think Christmas time, Thanksgiving time. I was going to say, I always have this for Christmas. Yeah. Like, when we have family this, in town or whatever, I always will have this a four-pack. This or Sierra Nevada, of, uh, uh, Chris, uh, uh, not Christmas ale, but with a Sierra Nevada... Anniversary um, ale. Anniversary right? ale is, is always, or or even Anchor Steam does their Christmas ale. Anchor Steams is great. Yeah. But this, this is something that goes well with the heaviness and um, herbalness. You know, you, get, you do your Thanksgiving dinner and you do a turkey with herbs. You got stuffing. It's, there's just tons of savory herbs. This is a kind of a beer that goes really well with that. I don't know if I have any more room Thanksgiving for one of these. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. That too. Yeah, Sam Adams does one. Oh, yeah. Um, I would bet they've that... They've a triple bog, haven't they? They have. Uh, yes, they have, which is really hard to find. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it was a long time ago, and I... I think it was in the 20s for alcohol content, right? Yeah. High there. teens or 20s yeah. or maybe even higher. Yep. That but, was one uh, of their, like, it's kind of like one of the Sam Adams White Whales. It's their triple bock. They got pretty crazy in the early 2000s with when they came out with Utopias and Utopias. The triple bock and Millennium. And Millennium. Millennium was another one. We had yep, that. We had that. that Last was, year's Dark Lord Day. It was okay. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah. It was cool because it, it had Jim style Cook's, like, and... signature on it and yeah. everything, but... 
old school, real unique, you know, kind of a one in a one in a kind type of uh, type of beer to be able to drink that night. Yeah, but if you're into um, clean, crisp beers that have a lot of good malt to it, if you're not a big hot person, this is a good one to grab. Uh, and I think it falls into that kind of classic style. Germans, they keep it simple and they stuck to a recipe and it's always worked for them. I bet, it, I bet if you go to a lot of German-inspired American craft breweries, you'll probably find something like this or something similar on their menu. Dovetail is another one of these, I'm pretty sure. I was just going to ask if Dovetail did. Yeah. They have to, right? Yep. Like I always think of um, White Oak in Austin, Texas. They're a pretty German. Very. Oh, yeah. Um, They're Hefeweizen. Live yeah. Oak. Live Oak. I'm sorry, Live Oak. Not White, White Oak, Oak is in White Bloomington, Oak is Illinois. Bloomington. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah that, that was... They stick to American styles, they I believe. They stick to American styles. I know but... they have a good IPA, but. I would. I, Live I, Oak. That's I, right. I would. Uh, I wonder if down in St. Louis, Urban Chestnut might not yes. make a Doppelbach. Oh, I'm sure that yeah, yeah. I, I was just I, I was just trying Urban to Chestnut, think yeah, Urban Chestnut. They do great European styles. Yep, they're so they're, authentic. They have a brewery in Germany. It, Urban Chestnut, yeah. And their tap nice. room is so much fun. Their tap That's room is like a German beer drinking hall. Yeah. If you were in, or the, if you're in the, there's one of them. It, in it a, is. It's a beer hall. It's, it's a beer it's hall. Perfect. It's big long tables, yep. and everyone sits at them. And that brewery is all right behind them. All the the equipment, and they usually have mostly German food. Yep. Not um, a huge menu, but like schnitzels, schnitzels and, and uh, uh, I think like a Bavarian worsts, pretzel. And, lots of worsts. Yep. Perfect. Currywurst, probably. That's all you need when you're drinking beer. Yes. Like, let's be honest. They don't distribute a whole lot, but their brewery down in St. Louis, they have probably 20 different beers on tap. Yep. And ranging from Pilsners to Nice, just sours. long wall of taps. Yeah, and it's you great. can if get I w- from a light style to a dark style, but all really, really classic, authentic uh, European styles for yeah. the most part. And it's if really, you're in, really good. If you're in central Illinois and you want a good Bavarian lager, just like that other one we had, um, their Bavarian lager from Urban Chestnut's always really good. Terrific. So. All right. Well, let's let's leave Germany. Yeah. Might as well. All right. You guys have mine over there? Yes. And this one, uh, so, you know, like I said, we wanted to just go back to some classic styles. And as far as the popularity goes and just how um, evolution of some of these styles have come, um, how could we not do an IPA, right? An India Pale Ale? Yes. So... Kyle and I were talking um, after Evan picked uh, the Doppelbach. Um, what else we should uh, we should have? And I said, well, one of us has to go with an IPA. So if you want to get something different, I'll take the IPA because it just seems like... Um, and not a hazy IPA. Not a hazy, a classic style. Um, there's just so many different things that um, the, the U.S. breweries have done with the style in a great way um, just to really get an expansive offering of still what the IPA was meant to be, I guess I would say. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. What the and not the whole West Coast IPA craze, not the just kind of a basic standard pillared IPA. And so um the one we're we're about to drink or I think you guys poured I'm I'm um, still working on my liquid bread. Okay. Uh this is by Bear Republic um, they are out of the, uh, Healdsburg, Healdsburg, Cloverdale, California. Um, it's like in the middle of wine country, wine country area. And, um, this is kind of an old school American craft brewery. They've been around since uh, the mid nineties, 
Bottle says 1995. This is a 7.5% uh, India Pale Ale. This is 7.5%. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I think most of I think most of your IPAs probably start in the high sixes or maybe seven percent. And yeah. um, I mean, obviously, the you know as long as they're not a double IPA, they'll stay under eight and a half or so. But yeah. then you get to the double and triple, obviously, and you know. Since when you bring dogfish head into this category, you can go up as high as twenty two percent for a <laughs> India Pale Ale. <laughs> is that what one twenty is now? So when we were at the brewery, it's a vodka IPA. Um, when we so were at the brewery, sweet. they said so uh, they said technically they don't know every bottle's ABV because when it comes out, it's such a high alcohol content that it can range anywhere from eighteen to twenty two percent. Oh well, okay. So, I'm not for sure what they actually advertise on the label. It might be 18. It might be I think tw- it's 18. I think it's 18. But they yep. said technically it could be as high as 22%. <laughs> I might still have one or two of those in my cellar still. <laughs> I've tried different methods to drink that beer, and I still don't know how. It's I don't like fresh. aging it, I it's don't abrasive. think. But it is abrasive Three years fresh. later, it's abrasive. It's it's a lot. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I remember when that was really hard to get. I was out oh, in yeah. Virginia, which this was before they really started... It was hard to get in Virginia strip. for a while. Yeah, well, it, and it hadn't quite made its way west as much as they have now. And back then, like, you would literally wait in line for some of Dogfish Head's, like, four-pack releases and stuff. And that that beer was, like, one per person. And my wife, you know, what a saint, she, I was working, and she went to the local beer place <laughs> to go pick it up for me. And, I mean, even fresh, it was, it's so damn sweet. Yeah. That, oh, it really is. It's It's good. I mean, it, it is, is sweet in a good way, um, but it is—it's unique in its own way. I mean, you, you kind of have, have to. Make to it that sweet. You kind of have to uh, enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Um, it's so unique, and they really took that to a completely new level. Because I think before that came out, the most any double or triple IPA had really taken it to was probably 10%, ten percent, maybe ten and a half. You, know, you had Stone Ruination doing. I don't know what was that ten or eleven, and that was out a while so, back. Still, I think. They're up in the twenties. Would I think they might be the only one? I don't. I don't I know of any so. others. Just kind of going to, a, I guess, a quick description on this. But uh, I already, you know, said it's a seven seven point five percent IPA. I think that we would call this the West Coast style. Um, yeah. You know, India Pale Ale really actually bitter. comes, I think, originally from England uh, when they were transporting beer to India. They added hops, a bunch of them to their ales uh basically to allow that beer to have flavor last long as a preservative it's a preservative and uh it ended up turning into a style and ironically uh now the fresher is better technically <laughs> is the uh the way that people like them and so uh it's it's definitely not something that you would want to uh preserve flavors you definitely want to drink it fresher but um it's definitely an old school style. It goes, uh, you know, over probably over a hundred years at least into the you know nineteenth century. Probably, um, the U.S. has definitely taken it to a completely different oh, level. Okay. Yeah, um, we started with an East Coast style, which um, I would say kind of focused on that malt back, malt backbone, with a very very bitter, pungent kind of like dogfish head kind of kind of like the dogfish head 90 minute ipa style where you've got a lot of bitterness not a bunch of um uh, flavoring hops and then you went to your west coast style which took away a little bit of that bitterness or 
Amped ramped up. up the bitterness, but also did a lot more on the front end um, of the brew process for your flavoring hops. And then now we have the New England style. So there's East Coast, West Coast, and New England. And then New England is almost where there's basically very little to none uh, as far as bitterness goes. And it's all just uh, at the very, very, very end of the brew process or even as part of uh, the dry hop process, basically after... Um, after the the boil stopped as as far as that um, brewing process goes, so this is a West Coast style. I mean, it's got. Uh, I mean, it's this is great. Yeah. This is you know we don't drink a lot of these when very get, often. We, and we don't drink any of these. We don't. It's just like it's great to do this once in a while because it's nice and it's really bitter. And yeah. I love I love that. It's, I really really love it that. It is, but it isn't. When you said West True. Coast style, I was expecting a stone. You can't handle this bitterness type of bitterness. Yep. And this is actually very approachable. And, Absolutely, and yeah. I, but I'm enjoying this. A lot. It's kind of earthy. Um, it's got yeah, a little really, bit of a unique uh, hop style. It's not that citra fruity flavor, but it's definitely got a good combination of hops and fruit. For, you know, a little bit of fruit and citrus and yeah. earthiness to the front end, um, but a nice bitter backbone as well, and just a good overall combination of that. And nice. I mean, it's pretty light straw colored. Yeah, it's not super uh, amber, malty. You know, you don't, you don't. When you look at it, you don't think, okay, this is going to be a malt bomb, right? When you think about some of these IPAs, right? I know I've said this before on the podcast, and I know as Kyle knows brewing, uh, the process. I think that when you talk about the East Coast style, that was the let's throw a little bit of hops throughout the entire boil. Yep. So you get a much different profile in terms of your hops than what. Like Stone did. I always look at Stone and Dogfish Head as doing the complete opposite thing with their IPAs, yep. where yep. Stone put a ton in the front, yep. nothing in the middle, and a ton at the back. Yep. And that's why... 100 IBU, but a, also a potent citrus oh, yeah. flavor. Yeah. And I, I, you go back and drink their beers, they're wonderful. Same thing with like 60-minute IPA. It is wonderful, but they're very different. Yeah, absolutely. They're very different. And this is one, you know, when we talk about IPAs as a whole, I mean... It's hard to say, okay, if you're going to your local liquor store, what's one to recommend? It's so common that just about everyone's doing it. And for yeah. your, you know, average new craft beer drinker, I mean, I would say that they're probably all pretty common for the most part. I mean, you're going to get some different flavors as far as that West Coast, East Coast style, obviously. And then definitely if you switch into the New England style, they're all very different. But if this is... Uh, a style you like and you grab just kind of a new random IPA off the shelf for the most part, you're probably going to enjoy it. I mean, I loved when I first got into craft beer and I think probably dogfish head was one that really got me going into the IPAs. Yep. Um, I loved going to the liquor store and just grabbing just a random new IPA to try. And I was pretty much always happy with it. It was really fun and I wasn't as picky and, and whatnot. And I don't know. It's a, it's a fun style. You know, the U.S. breweries have definitely taken it to a new level from where, like, the English originally yeah. um, started it at. But uh, it's fun. It's a good one. Yeah, as a home brewer, I like to level set myself before I brew a beer. So I, I want to have the most authentic interpretation of, of the style. So a, as as close to a Saison as a Saison can be before I brew one to know what flavors I'm, I'm trying to pull out of it. And I think this as an IPA is a great one to, to level set yourself. If you want to know what an IPA should taste like, I think this is a great one. And you hadn't had it before, right, Kyle? I have and not had it. So you're enjoying it, obviously. I, yeah, I yeah. like it a lot. 
Yeah, and it's a really cool place. If you want to make your wife happy and you happy, go out to <laughs> Healdsburg, and you can go to Bear Republic, which I saw in the bottle that this is still brewed in Healdsburg. Okay. So this is, you know, whether or not they have a... I know they have a brew pub. I've been there if they have a production facility, but it's still there out in California. And then you can take her and have her sample wine wherever she wants, and you can too, but... And you can only... uh, linger not too far off to go to Russian River, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I told my story about that, but yeah, I went there with another couple, and all day long, he and I were looking forward to going to Russian River. And so we sat there and had to listen to every winery pitch us their wine club <laughs> while our wives sat there and drank all the wine because we knew we were going to Russian River that night. <laughs> well, and the more wine that they drank, the longer you knew you could stay at Russian River, exactly. I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> conversation was, a lot easier. So, yeah, it was <laughs> by the time I went and had my first Pliny the Elder, which was my first at the brewery, I, you know, my wife was pretty happy by then and uh, everyone was happy, so... Yeah, that's a great place for wine and beer. It is. Beer it really lovers. is. Yeah, that is a beautiful, a beautiful area to visit just for hiking and stuff like that too. And then you got wine and beer and yeah, perfect uh, but vacation any time of the year as well. What a great beer to to kind of you know represent the style um, quickly because I think this is always interesting. If you were to grab a shelfy IPA that most people could grab, what would you grab, Ryan? You know, honestly, I think this would. This is probably one of them. I hate to say the one we're drinking, obviously, Bear Republic Racer 5. I don't even know if we mentioned it was Racer 5. Racer that was probably 5. my fault. But, um, I mean, I am a sucker for Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which is probably closer IPA. to an IPA than it's what it's count. stated. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, that, torpedo's that. an extra right, Pale Ale, so t- Torpedo doesn't count Still either doesn't if, count. if Sierra Nevada does. Ken can call it whatever he wants. <laughs> um then I'd, oh, I'd go the sixty minute then man. before before you snag one. All right, I was fine. gonna say you you, you kind of put Fair me enough. on uh, put me on the spot a little bit. I uh, would go with Lagunitas IPA or uh, Stone. We talked about them earlier. That's good which one. Stone IPA? You know, Stone IPA. Stone IPA, which I comes mean, in cans now. If it's to if it is to just drink one, you know, and not worry about like the alcohol content, I would probably go Stone Ruination. I uh, think that's, that's a double. Yeah, I mean that's a okay. So cheating again. So I can't go pale ale. I can't Gosh, go we double. Can't get, IPA. Dang it. <laughs> Because then I was thinking Lagunitas Maximus, but that's a double. You just um, want to go. You just want a double. Beer one hundred and one. Right? This is oh, one. That's beer one hundred and two. We start to go to doubles. Oh man! Although I did double Doppelbach, which is no necessarily double. Um, I guess I I probably go Oscar Blues IPA. Very nice. Um, they're uh, now both out of Asheville and uh, Boulder. Yeah, Boulder. Is there? Are they yep. Boulder or yeah, I Denver? Boulder. Or I think that's right. Well, another town. Um, but. Uh, they make some great beers. I mean, they have a whole wide range of styles as well. They're they're really versatile, but yeah. they're um, they're obviously Dale's Pale Ale is very really popular. Oh, but yeah. that's a pale. But their IPA is really 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 dang good too. So yeah. um, if you guys are going to take sixty minute from me, then uh, then I'll go. Uh, <laughs> I would have you know I I totally would have gone sixty minute too, but I had to throw out Lagunitas IPA is very good. Yeah, and one I used to really enjoy, and I they closed or went bankrupt or Green I don't Flash. Know. The Green Flash. Thank you. I was um, going to say that. The purple label. I don't know if that was just called Green Flash West Coast IPA or whatever it was called, but that one right. was fantastic. I really enjoyed I that. And unfortunately, they, uh, yeah, I don't know, invested too much or I don't know exactly. The and whole someone, news about them closing was just kind of odd. So. And someone got all their equipment for real cheap. That's right. Yeah. Real cheap. Ryan, did you so, say uh, Fryer also had the Racer 10? The, oh. If you is wanna, that the double? If you like oh. the five, you want to... 
Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't had the Racer 10, <laughs> but I remember when I first got in, I was telling Kyle this yesterday, when I first got into craft beer, uh, it was a real, the Racer 5 had just come to Illinois and uh, it was a pretty highly rated IPA or West Coast style IPA. The big deal, the big deal one was uh, the Bear Republic Racer 10 and it's uh, Roman numeral. So it's Racer X on the, uh, oh, cool on the label. And I've never had it, um, and we just started getting it as of recently because uh, I just noticed it for the first time yesterday. So um, I'm anxious to try that. That's their double. I don't know what the alcohol content is or whatever, but uh, they do really good beers. They do a good job, and yeah. it's, it's good that we can get it this far east of them. Well, I hope everybody got a good idea of some good base styles. Uh, I like the idea of doing this once in a while where maybe next time it's beer 102, we'll get a couple different styles and it'll kind of remind you of your college days where you're taking classes and beer 101, beer 102, <laughs> beer 201, 20, you know. <laughs> yeah. Since we've been uh, like at, at four, beer 405 with uh, pretty much all the time <laughs> bourbon barrel with vanilla beans and coconut and cocoa some, nibs some lac- and lactose and raspberry, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. And But uh, I mean, you know, just look, just quick, quick finish on the beer one on one stuff. I mean, you've yeah. got a Pilsner, uh, you've got a Hefeweizen, you've got a Pale Ale, yeah, um, just some real good classic styles. Um, even uh, a, a good American Lager, Saison, uh, Farmhouse Ale style. I mean, there's a lot of those just really, really, I don't want to say simple, but um, kind of your entry sim- level, entry level, but simplistic as far as where. The, the darn Americans have taken some of these things um, as which of is, the last couple of years, which is which is all good and uh, all lot, good and well. A lot of great great ones out on the shelves uh, that anyone can find and pick some up that are you know out there at your local store yeah. and just start trying some and expand from there. Yeah, I, I agree. I would say any liquor store, beer store worth its weight is going to have a pretty sizable uh, import section, and, and anything out of there has been brewed for decades if not centuries for sure. so it, it, it's been around for a reason so wine stefan or original i'm yeah. gonna start getting that a little bit more often this the is OG. great yeah and yeah if you want to go into those hefeweizens and everything I, I now i'm just blanking on the name of the german brewery that makes tons of erdinger um, not erdinger uh wine stefaner wine stefaner um I, maybe it is erdinger i'm thinking erdinger of. and wine stefaner the two that i go for yeah well, anyway, and Polliner is another one. I mean, there's all these German breweries are coming out with their Oktoberfest now too. Oh, oh already Spaten Oktoberfest yep. and yeah, Ab- Spaten was Spaten was one of the first of available in the United States. I read. Yep. Um, Spaten was really the the pioneer of introducing original German, you know, styles to Americans at least as terms of imports. Yeah. So, all right. Well. Um, last, since uh, Kyle is here for his uh, first guest appearance, hopefully it's not his last guest appearance, um, but we want to hear your ideal four-pack. My ideal four-pack. So I'm, I'm probably going to sound like a broken record here, but uh, I would go with a uh, bourbon barrel-aged stout, probably non-adjunct, just, just the barrel. Um, after that, a New England IPA, juicier the better. Um, very, very low on the bitterness. Um, then a, uh, a, a Pilsner, maybe a hoppy Pilsner or, uh, just a traditional, um, Pilsner either, or I think I would go for, and then a, uh, probably a tart Saison, whether nice. it be a, a barrel aged or fruited, but just a standard tart Saison I'm a big fan of. 
Do you have a hoppy pilsner that comes to mind? Uh, the Pulaski Pilsner from Maplewood in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. mentioned that yesterday. Yeah. I need to try that. I haven't tried that's that before. Good. Maplewood makes a lot of they great do. beers. And they're uh, that's another one that's not on the hype train, but they had their morbidly obese pug as their... Uh, <laughs> Is their uh, what a name imperial version of their fat pug? And, yeah, uh, that's a that's a great beer, and that sat on the shelves. Influence from and, one of the owner's dogs, I assume. <laughs> Must be awesome. Um, but we we get a lot of a lot of their cans down here, very very fresh. And, yeah, we do. Uh, the Plasky Pilsner is definitely up there, and they're pretty easy to notice in the beer shelf. They're very brightly colored. I was gonna say they're colorful. Cans. They're kind of the sticker wrapped, not the sticker cans, but the shrink wrap pla- cans. Thank you. Um, those are easy to find. I think here in uh, Peoria, there's there's the ability to talk to somebody at like Hy-Vee, Fryer Tech about, hey, can you help me find this, that, or the other, and they'll they'll do a good job. And actually, now I think about, it, I think uh, Perennials finally getting their pills in town. Um, it was a brewery only for a very long time, and then uh, they started distributing it. Distributing it. And, What's the uh, name? The do you know the, the name of that? That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's just pills. It's uh. It's got a pretty funny okay, logo. It's just great. pills, bright yellow can. I want, I want to, I want to, I want to see someone come up with pills with a Z, please. <laughs> P I L Z or like five Z's. Five Z pills. <laughs> pills. All right. Well, last thing we like to do is cheers. So, uh, Kyle, thanks for joining. Thanks for us. being our guest, Kyle. This was Thank fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks. All right.